Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Barry Chesler, and today's Daf is Masechet Chagigah Yod Zion, Tractate Chagigah 17. Our Daf begins with the Mishnah, which records two disagreements between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. The first of these is found in Chapter 2 of Mishnah Beit Sah. Beit Shammai holds that one may bring Shlamim sacrifices on Yom Tov, but does not perform smicha, the laying on of hands, the ritual by which the owner of the sacrifice indicates his ownership of the animal. One may not, however, bring in a law sacrifice. Not only does Beit Hillel allow both sacrifices, but Beit Hillel permits the laying on of hands as well. The second agreement concerns the occurrence of Shavuot on Friday. Here, Beit Shammai holds that the Yom Tavoach, the day the sacrifices are offered, is Sunday, whereas Beit Hillel maintains that there is no day of slaughtering other than the holiday itself. But, if the holiday of Shavuot occurs on Shabbat, then Beit Hillel admits that the day of slaughtering occurs on Sunday. The Mishnah concludes with the statement that the high priest does not dress in his holiday finery in either his house or his marketplace, that eulogies and fasts are permitted when the Yom Tavach is Sunday in order that the words of the Sadducees regarding Shavuot occurring on Sunday not be upheld. The background of the Mishnah concerns the propriety of offering individual as opposed to statutory sacrifices on Yom Tov. The rabbis distinguish between the restrictions on Shabbat and those on Yom Tov. The two main differences are that on Yom Tov one may prepare food, ochal nefesh, and one may carry. So Beit Shammai permits the sacrifices from which one actually eats, the Shlamim, but does not permit the Allah, which is dedicated entirely to God, whereas Beit Hillel allows both sacrifices. While Beit Shammai permits sacrifices which benefit people, it does not permit sacrifices exclusively for God. Beit Hillel allows both. Further, Beit Shammai does not permit smicha, the laying on of hands, because that constitutes a forbidden use of an animal on Yom Tov. This does not pose a problem for the sacrifices it does permit on Yom Tov, because Beit Shammai maintains that smicha does not have to come immediately before shkita before the actual slaughtering of the sacrifice, but may be done the day before. Beit Hillel insists both that the sacrifices may be offered on Yom Tov and that smicha must be done just prior to slaughter. In the second disagreement, neither Beit Hillel nor Beit Shammai believe that the sacrifices in question may be done on Shabbat. So in the one case, when Shavuot is on Friday, Beit Shammai postpones the sacrifices for two days until Sunday, whereas Beit Hillel permits them to be done on Yom Tov itself. But if Shavuot is on Shabbat, both Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai postpone the sacrifices 
until Sunday. When the soldering is done on Sunday, care must be taken to distinguish the Sunday from the actual holiday because of a controversy over the date of Shavuot. The plain meaning of Leviticus 23 by Yikra Kaf Gimel suggests that Shavuot is supposed to be observed on a Sunday, the day after Shabbat, after the requisite weeks have been counted. The rabbis believe that the biblical day after Shabbat actually means the day after Yom Tov Pesach, or the 16th of Nisan, the day when we begin to count the Omer, so that the observance of Shavuot is a fixed date on the calendar rather than a fixed day of the week. Because of the possibility that the holiday sacrifices of Shavuot might be offered on Sunday because of postponement, the high priest did not dress in his usual way, and fasting and eulogies were permitted, so that no one should think that this Sunday was the actual holiday in accord with the Sadducee teaching. The first sugya begins with the statement of Rabbi Eliezer in the name of Rabbi Oshaya. One of my teachers, Rabbi David Galinkin, once observed that 90% of Jewish law assumes that you have already done something wrong. In this sense, a large part of Jewish law is remedial. Given that we did not do what we were supposed to do when we were supposed to do it, what remedies do we have? The issue in our daf is the idea of tashlumim, which we had met earlier in the Masachet. If we do not offer the records of sacrifices on the first day of Yom Tov, when might we offer them? Rabbi Yoshaya teaches that on Shavuot we have seven days of Tashlumim, based on the verse of Devarim Tetzayin Tetzayin, three times a year all your mail shall appear. On the holiday of Matzot, on the holiday of Shavuot, and on the holiday of Sukkot. Rabbi Yoshaya derives from this verse that the compensation for Shavuot is seven days based on analogy with Matzot. Before we examine the argument, it is worth taking a moment to consider the juxtaposition of these holidays. While each is labeled a Chag, a pilgrimage holiday, they are fundamentally dissimilar. Matzot, what we most often call Pesach, is a seven-day holiday for which the daily sacrifices are the same. Shavuot is a one-day holiday. Sukkot is a seven-day holiday with a different enumeration of sacrifices for each day, and which concludes with Shemini Atzeret, the eighth day of assembly, which functions both as a conclusion to Sukkot and as a holiday in its own right. In both Pesach and Sukkot, the period of compensation apparently coincides with the remainder of the holiday, which is unique to each. But on Shavuot, of necessity, the compensation must be done on a weekday, resembling in this way perhaps Pesach Sheni, the 14th of Iyar, when the one who is ritually impure too far from Jerusalem might offer the Pesach sacrifice and eat it with Matzah Maror, but which is otherwise a weekday. The remainder of the Amud examines Rabbi Oshai's statement, asking why not make an analogy with Sukkot and have eight days of Tashlumim for Shavuot. This analogy is rejected because Shmini Yatzeret is considered a holiday unto itself, and therefore the compensation for Sukkot is only seven days. But perhaps those who hold Shmini Yatzeret as a holiday unto itself only mean to restrict this characteristic to Pazer Keshev, an acronym for pious or lottery with which the priests are chosen to do the sacrifices, Zaman, the Shechianu, which is recited at candlelighting and Kiddush, 
for Shemin Yatzeret, Regel, for the purposes of curtailing Shiva and Shloshim, Korban, for the Musaf sacrifice, which is unique for Shemin Yatzeret, Shir, the song the Levites sung in the temple, and Bracha, for the special blessing of the king. But compensation for Sukkot may be offered on Shemin Yatzeret itself. And here our mission is quoted which says precisely this, that one may bring a compensation offering on Shemini Yatzeret. The Talmud concludes here with a well-known expression, Tafasta merubel lo tafasta, tafasta muat tafasta. As Rashi explains, when one is unsure of what one is entitled to take, the larger the smaller, logic dictates that the smaller is taken. For even if you are entitled to take the larger portion, no one can question your claim to the smaller one. But if you take the larger when you are only entitled to the smaller, then you have committed a sin, you have stolen. So in this case, we compare Shavuot to Pesach rather than Sukkot, because we can infer that certainly at the minimum, the compensation is seven days. But if that is the case, why then is Sukkot mentioned in the verse? It is to compare Sukkot to Pesach. Just as Pesach requires lodging on the night after the sacrifice and returning to one's home the next day, so too does Sukkot. Based on the verse in Devarim, that in the morning, understood to be the second day, you begin your journey home. The B-side begins with a sugag based on the understanding of the position regarding Yom Tavoach. The Mishnah stated that when Shavuot falls on Friday, Beit Shammai says that the Yom Tavoach is after Shabbat on Sunday, and Beit Hillel says that there is no Yom Tavoach. Perhaps Beit Hillel does not think there is ever Yom Tavoach, meaning that there is no compensation? No, but in this case it is not necessary because the sacrifices may be offered on Shavuot itself. But if that is the case, we have already had this view presented in the earlier Mishnah, so why repeat essentially the same point? It is necessary, the Talmud concludes, to include both statements in the Mishnah. For the one, where Beit Shammai forbids the sacrifice from being offered when Shavuot falls on weekday other than Friday, it does so because it can be offered the next day. Without the second Mishnah, we might think that when the sacrifice cannot be offered the next day, that is, when Shavuot is Friday, Beit Shammai would permit the sacrifice. Therefore, the second Mishnah states that Beit Shammai does in fact postpone the sacrifice two days. On the other hand, we might reason that Beit Halal allows the sacrifice to be made when Shavuot is on Friday because one cannot offer the sacrifice the next day on Shabbat. But for those days when it can be offered the next day, Beit Halal would agree with Beit Shammai. And therefore the first Mishnah clarifies that Beit Halal permits the sacrifice on Yom Tov even when it could be offered the next day. An additional proof is brought from a different Baraita. He who does not sacrifice the seven days of Pesach the eight days of Sukkot, or the day of Shavuot, has lost his opportunity to sacrifice. Does this not suggest there is no compensation for Shavuot? This suggestion is dismissed, reading the Baraita to say Yom Tavoach rather than Yom Tov. But if this is the case, there is apparently only one day of compensation. No, read it Yemei Tavoach, the days of compensation, or the days of slaughtering. Still, another proof. Rabbi Barshmuel teaches that the Torah says, count the days and sanctify the month, count the days and sanctify Shavuot. Just as the month has its counting, so too does Shavuot. 
then perhaps we can understand this to mean that Shavuot, like Rosh Chodesh, has one day of compensation. But this cannot be the comparison, because on Shavuot we are instructed to count not just days, but weeks. Abayi said there is a command to count both days and weeks, and the name of the holiday is after the weeks, and hence the compensation is a week. The last sugi on the page, which will be concluded tomorrow, begins with a teaching from the Academy of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. Scripture says, Ukratem uvekutsrachem, you shall proclaim and you shall reap. Which is the holiday which you proclaim and reap? Shavuot. When? If you say it is on Yom Tov, well, who permits reaping on Yom Tov? Rather, it must refer to the Tashlumim. Why do we need both Rabbi Eliezer in the name of Rabbi Oshaya and Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov? <laughs> we might compare the Tashlumim of Pesach, which are during Cholamoed, when one is forbidden to do Malacha work, so too for Shavuot as well. <laughs> Therefore, we need Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.